thanks again. I was definitely uh, it's been a long time coming, so I'm glad that I was able to get on. I just wanted to come on like more like uh, you know like Jago style. He has his whole setup, um, but I'm just not there yet. So I was like, you know what? I'm actually still building up the room. So I was just like, you know, let me just get on here without a camera. We are live, my friend. So I'm gonna go ahead and take it from here. I just wanted to come on, like more like uh, you know, Jago stuff. He has his whole setup. <laughs> Is it the oh, back? My... It was looping. I thought he was actually still going there, my friend. No, I wasn't even talking. That's funny, funny, funny. Well, so you guys, right welcome now? to an awkward. Fucking talking shit with Eagle, yes, sir. Episode 412. Got an amazing guest for you. As you heard, GMX OG is in the house. I asked, I as heard. you may have heard, a sought after guest. I have been trying to get this gentleman on the show since day one. Much respect for you. Go ahead and tell us how you're doing and where we can find you, good sir. Well, Eagle, thank you again for having me on. I know it's been a minute since the beginning, and I always said I was going to come on. Um, like I was saying before we uh, went live, I wanted to come on here in the capacity of like just like my whole shop set up with like you know with the webcam. Um, but today we're just going to do it uh, like a podcast style where we don't have to necessarily show video. Um, but you can find me uh, at Instagram at gmxog and Twitter at g to the mx. Also, you can. Search GMX OG on YouTube to find me there or go to gmxtv.com. Nice, nice. Well, as I said, I do have a ton of respect for you, my friend. You were uh, nice enough to let me test for you there for a minute. I can't thank you enough for that. But uh, yeah, yeah it's a good on that respect test. issue. Uh, they wanted to get you on, man. I, I really believe that you're breeding and what you do in the, in the community is quality. So uh, I thought, uh, it, like we, what we do here is just another chance to kind of get to know the people we see online. So I wanted to get you on here and introduce you formally to the people that you know come around here in this community and some of the people in the cannabis community that may not know you. So it's a pleasure, my friend. So let's get this started right off the bat, man. Uh, hopefully, you got something to smoke on. What are you smoking on over there? Um, I am smoking on some of the stuff that I grew out. It's the uh, East Coast Sour Diesel. It was a, uh, it was a hybrid that I got off of uh, Empire Breeding Company. It was uh, Lorax three one five. It was his uh, project, some kind of preservation project, which I think it was the 95 sour East Coast Sour Diesel crossed to the 98. And that was a little project that he did. And I know a lot of the people under Empire are using the sour diesel um, for other projects. So I'm smoking on that tonight. And I have a little tiny bit of this other stuff that I got from actually somebody else in our community. Um, his name is Moses. He goes by like, um, you know, what is it? Oh, top quality farms he's out here in los angeles and he's on instagram i'm not sure if you follow him but i met up with him just recently and he gave me a little of his stuff uh which i forget the name again but yeah it's pretty fire as well so that's what i'm smoking on what are you smoking on there eagle i am smoking on a little bit of a tiger king <laughs> the tiger king uh which a gentleman that came on the show uh white feather grows 
sent me and I'm not even sure what's in it, but it's delicious. And it's one of my current favorites right now, to be honest with you. I, I threw it down just because I got a, you know, it was right around the time of, you know, big hype for the Tiger King. And uh, it just cracked me up. I just thought it'd be funny to, to have some Tiger King in the, in the garden, but it turned out to be amazing. So it may stay for how's, a while. How's it grow? Is it, is it solid grow? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a beast. It took right off. Big old uh, nice buds. It's got that piney uh, turp that I've been looking for. It's got like a piney, like berry uh, thing going on there. Super nice, mm-hmm. super smooth, nice daytime smoke. Yeah. I bet you the patients like that, the, the that fruitiness during the daytime stuff. That's what I always like. So that's what my patients like. So that's where it's at. Cause it's something that tastes good, but also is not won't knock you out so you can't like work or go about your your business. Well, the pines like that, for me, are like, they're a double-edged sword, to be honest with you. Uh, one, I can be clear-headed, nice, ready to do all that work. I, You know, I get a little greedy on the lunch hour and double up. Ooh, I might be done for the day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you ran that Pine Valleys for me a couple of years back. You did a great job on it, so I do appreciate that. Do you still have that in your garden by any chance, or did you? is it probably cycled out, I'm guessing? Unfortunately, it is cycled out. Uh, I'm yeah. still, you know, on that Vino hunt. I, 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 there's so many great things out there, and people send me a lot of oh, stuff. Yeah, of it was, it was fire. It definitely made it for a few rounds after the test. So that's for sure. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, it was like a lot of strains get lost sometimes. Not in my garden not that way, but sometimes they do. Is cloning, you know, a yeah. hot. hot week or two and you're not expecting it and that round of phones doesn't make it it, it happens sometimes and yeah I was, that's what happened to me. i brought it up just because we were talking about the daytime strains and one of the strains that i did that one is definitely um one of my strains that are i use for the daytime you know what i mean it's a nice daytime strain in my opinion it's just not too heavy and it has it has that like familiar pine turf people like that's why I named it the Pine Valleys, um, but it has a lot of that cookie lineage in there, the cookies and gas. That's why I was looking forward to getting it, man. I was that, to me that was kind of a blessing because that's even back then I was looking for the pines and I was like, oh boy, hopefully, hopefully she's straight pines. But uh, I got more of the maple syrup, uh, phenol there that mm. uh, you were describing there in the beginning a little bit of pine yeah, yeah it, it, it had me excited i really thought i was going to get that heavy pine but it when it cured up it was more of the maple syrup still really good it is it is, heavy, really. it is heavy on that sweetness because it's just lineage you know the lineage is you know that skunk beer that's a hybrid between cookies and the rossi kush that's another hybrid between cookies so i mean there's very heavy cookie in like a lot of the a lot of the cultivars out there these days, um, cookies and OG. So that is probably why. It, but I mean, on the plant though, when you grew it out, I'm sure you like remind me. But the reason why I named it Pine Valley is because it reminded me of like walking through like a pine, like um, you know, forest. You know, just that heavy pine smell. Um, it didn't really reflect the um, terpenes. It's more about just the just the name. You know, so 
that's the whole story with the pine valleys so it's not as much pine in this taste and but in the smell but when you grow it out from like seed yeah it's definitely will make you think of like a pine valley so we're a little ahead of ourselves here my friend we're a little ahead of ourselves i usually start in the beginning and i mean the beginning so you mind telling me uh, when that first time, when was the first moment cannabis entered your life? That's how bad we usually start. Let's, let's start. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah that's my bad. I, no, I totally don't mind. I know we started off, but um, I, yeah, I've been, I heard your show before. I know how, I know you had some questions at the beginning. Um, but for me, um, the first time I really smoked weed was probably like, I want to say eighth grade. Um, but I'm almost thinking that it was at the end of seventh grade. So yeah, I would probably say around that time was when the first time I, I smoked cannabis. Well, that's a little vague, a little vague, uh, with some friends out of a pipe. I mean, we should wipe oh, it oh, okay. my parents. <laughs> All right. Well, I re this is how, I mean, the story goes. All right, so it was me. I was, I was a skater at that time. I was like really into skateboarding. That's what that was like my thing. So a lot of like the skater kids and I, you know, we were um, just hanging out. And then I guess somebody had weed. We were young. I mean, you gotta understand, like this is eighth grade, and back in like, cause I'm like early forties now. So this was like back in the day. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was so long ago, and I've smoked so much cannabis since then, as you can imagine. But Basically, I remember just um, one of like the three of us all skating together. We always were hanging out skating. Um, and then one of us got, I mean, my friend got cannabis and we rolled it up and we smoked it. And I remember just feeling like, it, I, I think we, our initial reaction was it was like lace or something because we just didn't know. Like that was like our initial reaction to oh, what was going on. Um, and, and then we, and then I, you know, later on, like less than like a six, seven weeks later, my brother, older brother, gave me real like high end cannabis. And I, I realized what I was smoking was just like the dirt, you know, just shit weed. And I was just very paranoid just because that was like the main effect that I um, that I just, you know, succumbed to at the time. You know, just paranoia. As, I don't know if you remember as a kid smoking weed, like paranoia was definitely the one side effect that always affected me. Um, but yeah, that was like my first experience smoking cannabis a long time ago. Uh, well, it's pretty average. I'd say eighth grade. It's pretty, pretty average for most folks I talk to. So did it right. become a common practice after that? Was it pretty steady? Hold off for a while? Where'd we go from there? Yeah, from there, I, um, yeah, I just was, um, I was always a fan. So I was, um, I definitely became a, a so-called stoner early on. Um, and the, by the time I went to high school, you know, I was like, like hunting for like high end quality sensimilia is what we called it at the time, which obviously everything now is sensimilia. You don't even think anything of sensimilia. It just, that's just what it is. Like if you wouldn't have a conversation about something that had seeds in it, it just wasn't part of the normal, you know, conversations now. But back then, you know, like that's what you want because a lot of people on the street, I grew up in the Northeast and, you know, Whereas in California, uh, you know, things were a little different in terms of um, cannabis law and everything else. So it wasn't decrimmed to 
like I was well into my 30s. So, but yeah, I, I've been smoking, you know, pretty much since the beginning, you know. And, uh, you know, I played sports in high school. I smoked through all that. So, smoked, went to college, smoked through all that. So, definitely a fan so of I smoking. heard you mention skating there. Uh, so, it seemed like that would kind of come hand in hand, but it seemed like that would also be a little stereotypish. Because, you know, I knew a, a lot of skaters, a lot of skaters, very cool people, but not all of them were uh, stoners or, you know, smoked. Some of them were like truly very intellectual kids, man, that just loved the board, you know. So I, you know, was that, uh, could, did you find that to be true? It, would that would have been, would it have been stereotypish if I would assume? You know, just because of the boarding cannabis was part of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I th I think there's a like a lot of the better skaters weren't the ones who were really smoking. You know what I mean? Um, like that's why I didn't really really start smoking. I mean, I think a lot of people smoked cannabis earlier than I did. So I, I'm guessing it was like early eighth grade, if I remember exactly the time. Um, but I remember sixth grade and like skating and I'd see people smoking. I didn't, you know, so. I didn't smoke it in sixth grade. Um, so, but yeah, it definitely goes hand in hand. I think it goes hand in hand with a lot of things back in the days and like the late eighties, the early nineties, whatever uh, industry it is, even from anything from punk rock to, um, you know, to, to rap or to whatever, or whatever thing, you know, there seems like cannabis is just kind of like universal. Um, so yeah, you know, everybody smokes cannabis. It seems like, especially back then. They did, they did. And, you know, I played sports a lot, too. And I always seemed to, even though I did well in sports, a lot of in a lot of places I did still get that that frowny, you know. It's bullshit. A lot of them stoners or uh, sports guys did smoke. But, you know, there was that, a few that, that oh, it's, it's going to mess me up. I never found it to mess with my uh, my, my athletic ability at all. Uh, I, I think a lot of that shit was, you know, terribly stereotypical. I'm glad that uh, we're in an age where it's we're not pushing that same shit to uh, our kids in the future. Yeah, I mean, I know so, lawyers. Lawyers smoke weed, and other people, everybody smokes weed, and people. Some people hide it better than others, but I mean, most people do. And if they don't, they drink. So I mean, now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So. I like played like I ran cross country and I played basketball in high school and I smoked throughout all. So, I mean, you know, but that's why I always thought the cannabinoids uh, affected me differently. Like, I think a lot of people like appears of mine would smoke like the way I would smoke and they would be like more of that stereotypical like stoner type. You know what I mean? Where I was just I never I never really feel the effects of like not trying to like the whole stereotype of what people said about people who smoke cannabis about not trying to like do something or having some kind of like um you know drive or ambition you know what i mean so i think that's just uh kind of goes back to like those old uh <laughs> like days where they try to like make weed or marijuana as they called it like you know this sin you know or this um you know they just try to scare people out of it just because everybody knows if you smoke cannabis or if you ingest cannabis um through your lungs you you know they definitely will open up your mind and like look at things a little differently and you may not conform to what some people may want you know 
So that's just like the old thing when it comes to cannabis, where people just, um, you know, they want to scare you out of it. Especially when we grew up in the 90s. I'm not sure how old you are, Eagle, but, you know, growing up back then, there still was like a lot of, uh, you know, the whole decrim thing is so new to, like, you know, compared to like a lot of people who are, you know, Generation X, you know, so. Yeah, it made me feel older, Jim X. Made me feel old. <laughs> I'm just turned 49, brother. To be honest with you, just turned 49 uh, a couple months ago. So there you go. That's how old I am. So when you did, look uh, good, buddy. Did, uh, yeah. Thank you, my friend. I greatly appreciate that. I mean, really. So, yeah, man, you inspire uh, you inspire me, man. You inspire me. You, you and you know, you know, Bubble, obviously. I you was know, just trying to like work on like, you know, you know, muscle building and like that stuff. So you know, props to you. I see you. A couple of you guys on Instagram. I see you guys doing what you got to do when it comes to like physical fitness. So that's what's up. So props um, to you. Thank you, my friend. You gotta you gotta keep it up, man. You gotta keep it up. Body that's in motion stays in motion. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly. <laughs> yep. But for me, I started growing oh man, it's been fifteen years. Fifteen years. Um so I'll just quickly tell you the story. It's been I told the story a few times. Uh, so I graduated college in two thousand five and then I already was already trying to grow. I didn't grow, but I wanted to. I was already uh, I was a musician, and I really was into it, and I loved cannabis, and I would write about it, and I was all about it. So long story short, I moved to the West Coast growing up in the East Coast. And I, I mean, I was born in New York and grew, grew up in Boston, so I was out in the Northeast. I always wanted to go to California. I visited with my brother, and I visited... Uh, with my now wife before I went out there. And so in 2005, we moved out there. I moved to Oakland, California. Um, I got married, had my first child. And during that time, uh, I had a caregiver friend, um, and he got clones. And I just, like, grabbed a few clones, and I and I started growing. So that was the first time I grew, I grew anything. I grew, like, cannabis. Um, it was from clone. Um, wasn't very successful. It was very the, the same story that you probably hear. Um, it was like first time growing. There was no, I mean, you guys remember this is 2005, so MySpace I think was the only social media that was going on at the time, and there was no cannabis going on in there. YouTube was like in its infancy, um, so most of us in the community uh, back then were on the forums. So I pretty much started the G to the MX. Um, that was my username and my email and my YouTube, and I just started that, and then I just pretty much just like spent years on the forums, pretty much like three straight years on the forum, just learning everything I could about growing. Um, and I had a very shitty season. The first season was very shitty. I used CFLs. Um, I had put like tin foil on. It was a closet grow uh, in my 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 soon-to-be son's room. I had, I had a closet grow going, and I and I it was pretty much harvested like three months before he was born. Um, and it, it, it was shitty, but I grew two little plants. I probably got, I think I remember getting about an eight, maybe a quarter each off each little plant. Um, but yeah, it was shitty, and it, but it, 
but I still was able to smoke it. And I was still able to like, um, you know, not necessarily document it, but at least um, remember like what I did and just remember the experience that I had. And I just, you know, just completely just fell in love. And I knew that I wanted to grow um, and maybe, you know, on like a professional level, I was already instantaneously. I wanted to um, do something more with it. Um, and then you fast forward, you know, I did, and I saw, I just continued doing that. Uh, you know, I just was growing and kept growing as much as possible, popping seeds. Um, and you fast forward to 2016, um, you know, I, I, I won the contest to become alpha at the time. They did like the yearly contest to become alpha back in the day. And, um, you know, med won it the year before me. And then I won it that year. And then, so I was on that team. I'm on, I was on the team and then I was just, I immediately, um, started like what I would call at the time, like just, you know, like chucking pollen, you know, um, before it was even like, you know, I was already, um, a better grower and know what I was doing. It's been, it was probably already a decade by the time I really got into like, the you know, the kind of selective breeding that I'm doing now. Um, over the years, I did all sorts of different, um, um, you know, like I, back in the day, I used to do like the, um, the stressing of breeding just to do, um, you know, S1. So I did that for a couple of years and I, I did have seeds from that that I was using and growing and stuff. But when it came to like real breeding, not this so-called pollen chucking, like the real breeding, whether you do selective breeding, not just, um, you know, like permitting a plant or reversing a plant and just hitting it to um, the same plant, like you're actually going through the process of selecting donor parents and selecting the progeny and trying to like, weed out the best and make the most viable and vigorous plant. That was that pretty much came around 2016, and so I just started just reading, um, um, and then and I just never looked back, you know. And I probably have, you know, at least 10 projects. You know, only three have made it to the market, um, but I am excited to be where I'm at. And it was definitely um, a situation where I wanted to 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 just to work as hard as I could just to get here, and you know, to just study the craft and to put in the work and and just have a whole bunch of breeding failures and just move forward with the product that's the quality product, um, you know, stable. So that's a like, little quick uh, growing story. Too quick, too quick in my opinion. <laughs> well, you know, getting in with the alpha thing was uh, definitely, I would think, uh, very good person experience with you. Very good uh, click over there at the Ocean Grown program. I was greatly impressed with the way they set things up over there for the testers to post and everything there. Probably why I didn't make second round because I never went and filed up over there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, very impressed with the way they do things over there. Very serious and I am quality genetics in my opinion. And uh, what a good time Absolutely. to get pulled up in over there when uh, everything was going full tilt. And, uh, you know, a lot of the great folks that you met, uh, suggested there, uh, Medgrower One, Empire Breeding Co. kind of hanging out. Of course, everybody <laughs> at uh, Ocean Grown, all the cool people Ocean. over there as well. So, you know, what a good time to get pulled up and, you know, good advice and, you know, just overall a good time to be in Canvas. So congratulations on that win, brother. Oh well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Mr. Tight was part of the team when I when I when I got on. Yeah, been a lot of people. I'm actually growing uh, testing for tight at the moment. I just finished up some of his uh, 
Six Shooter and uh, Citrus Blazer. And I've got yeah, the that BB Citrus Blazer looks amazing. B2 as well. It is, man. That's a great now. That's the Laffy strain in my garden right now. That's the one that kind of couple fucking joints. You kind of got a nice little grin, little, little laugh going. That, that six shooter now, that shit's fucking gassy. Super nice. gassy, really good, but it's one of them ones where, for real, you double up on that six shooter and you're fucking napping. It's nap time. I did that last night, to be honest with you. I'd fuck, I was sitting here, man. I'd be like, all right, yeah, I got to do a bunch of shit in the garden. I'm just going to sit down and smoke one real quick. I'd sit down and smoke one. And I'm one of them people that I'm usually pretty dedicated. Once I light the tip of that, that joint, uh, I'm committed. <laughs> I'm usually going to finish that thing. So that was the case last night. And I'd finish that thing off or get it close. And I'd be like, all right, just a half hour nap. <laughs> just a half hour nap. And it went on. All night long, just rinse, lather, repeat. I didn't get shit done. So definitely good stuff. So Hell yeah. you had a, what was you, I, I'm already, I already know the, the answers here, but I want to, I want you to tell me, what was your first breeding uh, prep? Which was the first string out? Which was, uh, uh, which one are you proud of? The, which one was first? Let's put that up. Well, the first, which one was I'm going to tell you, well, I'll tell you both, but um, the first one that I did was the Rosy Kush. So the Rosy oh, Kush wow. was the was first initial breeding around 2016. I used the Spartan Kush male, which was a strain under ocean grown at the time. PHR developed it. It's um, BTYOG cross to the Wizard's Potions, which is one of, I think, Vader's strains. Um, and then uh, I crossed it to the a, a local cut that I had out in Massachusetts. It was just, um, I don't even know the name of it, but I know that it reminded me of, it was an old school uh, flavor profile. It was, um, it had that cookies like offhand, but it also reminded me of like Purple Urkel um, and these other kind of like, like familiar terps from like way back, like maybe like early 2000s, late 90s. And when I looked at the um, the genetics, there was a whole bunch of other things, all like Bubba pre ninety eight Bubba, and obviously like the Purple Lurker, like I said, and the Forum Girl Scout cookies. So it was very, and and I just got the cut, so I didn't even have like I didn't like grow it from seeds, so I didn't know how it grew, but I had the cut and I grew it out, and I I had patients at the time out there, and um, the patients loved it, and I loved it. It was such a, and it just was very very um, just terpy and very sweet. Um, and so I crossed that to the Spartan Kush and that's the Rosy Kush. So if you ever do get the, um, that flavor profile, I always called it the Urkel, um, uh, cookies, Fino, if you find is that it's that, it's that very much that cookie profile that fades to black, the purple, uh, colors. Um, I also threw in a, um, a couple of plants, um, but nothing really, um, made it out besides that one um so that's the first one is the rosy kush i do have another one uh i can quickly just tell you it's called i don't have a name for or anything but i'd call it either there's two different cultivars that i still have which is the strawberry number six and the strawberry number eight um basically that's a you know same father um and it was it was a it was a strawberry uh hybrid at the time um and it's definitely more of some mystery mysterious lineage um but i'm thinking 
with all the research. I think it was told it was like a Raspberry Kush um, S1. Um, but I more, when I think of the profile and the reading, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that it's the uh, strawberry cough. And that's what I think it is because it reeks of strawberries. It's so potent. Um, so those are the two hybrids that I still have some work to do. But definitely the Rosy Kush is the first. Um, and then the and then my favorite and not necessarily the favorite but the one that's my new flagship it's um, it's black rosy and black rosy is a cross between dark plasma and rosy kush so that's the that's like the flagship one of them right now it's one of the best cultivars after all these years that I worked on it really has a very unique profile it's like almost like a um, it has like this marshmallow on the front end with the gas on the back end it's super sweet but super gassy. Um, very interesting profile. A um, little bit of that salt and pepper type of mix, little spice in it as well from the um, dark plasma. Um, so that's my new thing that I'm working on right now. I'm hoping to um, do some new project with that. Um, so that's my um, most what I'm proud of right now, just because I put up so much work into that one, you know. Yeah, it's got to be an uh, amazing strain, the Rossi there, because it, it is uh, back on to a lot of your crosses, and then it's in the Pine Valley, that's for sure, right? Obviously, the yep. Rossi and the Rossi Punch. Ah, so it's got to be the the backbone for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So, which one, which one which was, was Pine Valley the first release with Ocean Grown there? No, Rosy Kush was the first Rossi one. First. It was Rosy. And after, right after uh, Rosy, I released the Pine Valleys. Soon after, less than a year later, I re re released the Pine Valleys. Um, um, yeah, so then, so the third release is the Black Rosy. So those are three releases that I did under Ocean Grown. Um, I'm really excited for all of them. And I definitely put the work in to make it like something special. Um, and something that, you know, not just, you know, just not just like a you know there's so many have done it i just really wanted to to select the best out of the best you know something that i would really want to smoke you know what i mean that's what it really comes down to not just something that's hype um I, and i have all the hype you know for just like um you know for other reasons like whether it's um patients or you know some kind of like nursery you know i have all that stuff but i think it's important for as a breeder not all the time but just sometimes like i've done it like i've definitely take a cut and just hit it with one of my own males just to give some new genetics into the pool but i also think like with the dark plasma and the rosy kush cross the black rosy cross is that you actually hunt from seed for the female just to find like the actual phenotype that you want to use moving forward you know so there's definitely different approaches you could take with it there's definitely no hate in anybody who uses clones because i use clones but i also use seed you know what i mean so it all depends on what you want to do. And I'm actually moving into a different direction, uh, just more experimental, where I'm using, I'm going to use some STS spray to do reverse a nice female to do some um, feminized seats. But that's more not for a release, but more just um, just to do. I'm most likely to just give it away to everybody for free, you know, just to, just to give free seed out. Um, but I, I'm definitely on the path where I'm at where the regular seed with, with the technology now i mean you could just hire a company pay like 10 bucks a seed and you already know if it's a male or female you know what i mean so as of right now i'm currently just doing only regular seed but for content and just for experimental i am going to attempt to um do s1s again but do it reversing opposed to just um 
straight up hermaphrodites, you know, who just, you know, self-pollinate, you know. Muted. Sorry about that. So, uh, when you're working with a, like a team like that, is such as uh, Ocean Grown, uh, how is are you allowed to kind of like bring in your own strains for working for possible crosses, or do crosses to be considered have to be from the team here? Yeah, I mean, you do what you want to do. You know, I mean, I think it would be. Me personally, I, I, I would, I would love to work with more stuff in house, but I think it's also important for you to like do your own work and just to, you know, find your own, you know, you know, outside of the genetic pool that we already have, you know, especially if it's verified, you know, you know, like Vader goes, you know, has these Hawaiian strains that he introduced to the library and, and uh, shrimp, you know, he has these connections with other um I don't know, diesel hybrids and you know what i mean and i think it's the bbb the bbb3 we got from shrimp you know and um so i think it's all it's like a group effort you know and just to build up a library and just to have access to um quality genetics um and you know when you have like a, a library like vader or shrimp there definitely comes to the point where you can just take one of your own strains across to the other strain and come up with something amazing, you know? But when you're a young breeder like myself, when you only really have like 10 strains, but I know it seems like a lot, but there's only so much I could do to cross each other. You know what I mean? Before it would just be like null and voided, you know? Um, so you definitely want to have an array of genetics, you know? And so you're not just like reinventing the wheel, like you're actually doing something that actually will, you know, produce something that you, you're, that, that's what your intention is, you know? So. And I definitely go into all the strains with a plan, you know what I mean? Like, for example, the Black Rossi, I knew for for a fact that the dark, what the dark plasma offered and that specific mother that I still have, obviously, and, and that I, you know, want to pass on and what the Rossi Kush. So, you know, it's definitely a, a situation where, you know, you really have to think about what you're trying to create and, you know, just execute. You know what I mean? And I just knew what I, well, I was just, I mean, I'm, it's always luck, I guess, too. You know, you never know how with, with genetics. Um, and that's why you have to test and that's why you have to hunt and hunt and hunt. But, uh, I mean, this one phenotype that I found out of like 25, I was just like, yes, I mean, it, so it's doable. You know what I mean? It's not like something you have to like pop like a hundred seeds. You can still find something really, you know, interesting with this pack. So I was like, okay, this is going to be solid. And I'm looking forward to, actually, I'm doing another run right now, like week one. Uh, of it, and I'm really excited to to find something. I actually have clones of everything. Hopefully, so everything will be fine. Um, everything will be fine. So, you know, I, it's definitely an interesting um, way of going into the to the breeding. You know, um, but there's definitely no rules really. Um, you know, it's just really about respect. You know, I think when it comes down to anything, when it comes to this breeding thing, it's just respecting. Uh, where you get your genetics from. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, not just, do. Make, not just thing, making up a name. Thing, that's one thing I am very adamant about is uh, quality genetics, man. There's so much shit on the market right now. So many, you know, not even tested, just 
people made accidents, threw them out there, trying to make it an and yeah, it's quality genetics is very, very important. One thing I got to say too is uh, I appreciate it. it sounded like when you do do your breeding, well, I'm sure half of it is a clone, something like uh, the Rossi Kush, something you want to work on, something you establish. But the second half of the cross, it sounded like you phenol hunt from seed, correct? Yeah, I mean, well, in terms of um, when you do the breeding, you know, like sometimes when you do the breeding, you have a male, you have a female. Um, obviously, for me, in my opinion, like as a breeder, like I always use my own male. You know what I mean? That's just like, like, it's just kind of like, you know what I mean? That's just what most of us do, I would say. Um, you know, you use your own male, at least your own male, Hope, preferably both your own male and female. But if you need to use something outside of your own pool of genetics, you would use like a like a high-end clone, like the Forum Girl Scout cookies or the GG4, or you know what I mean, um, you know, whatever, you know, Purple Punch, you know, and which is what I did, you know what I mean. So there was a few clone-only strains that I had got out here in Hollywood, and I used those to cross against um, Rossi Kush, and those are the most recent hybrids I did uh, in 2020, which was the um, the Rossi Punch. Um, the Rossi OG and um, the uh, and, and the Black Rossi. That was the, um, the third uh, hybrid that I did. Um, so two out of three I were from clone. So I was, I was just saying, like sometimes you could use your own genetics, like I did for. I mean, it's not mine, but our own, like the Black Rossi, which is the dark plasma, which is a cross by Vader uh, against the Rossi cushion. Sometimes you use, you know, high end clones that, like, you know. Like the purple punch, or you know, OG, you know, only strains, and then you could actually make seed of it, um, and that's what I, you know. So there's definitely different ways you could go about when you do the um, make genetics. So is the the high dollar cut like one of those things you you're not really wanting to do unless you know. I don't know, man. I, why? That's my. That's my. I guess my question is why. I mean, a breeder. When I think of a breeder, I think them no less different than a creator or anything else. So when you reach in the tool that toolbox for your tools that you're building your project for, you you know what I mean. You don't want. You're trying to set yourself apart. You know what I'm saying. So it's got to be hard to. Reach over and grab, you know, that hideout that nut as you referred to to bring into the table. So you as a breeder, I mean, why would you why would you grab for just out of curiosity and conversations like uh, versus like you were talking about kind of finding a different strain and uh, pheno hunting for something that may not you know be present or popular at the moment. I guess is that is that you know more time-consuming sometimes, I guess. I'm, I'm curious for the minute, yes. Well, for me, I mean, I, I've never been into the high-value cuts. I mean, I have cuts that people might consider high-value, but I was never in one of those situations, fortunately enough, that I would have to pay some of the outrageous prices for clothes. Um, like, the Purple Punch, the Jungle Boys cut, that's just like a local cut. You can get at any dispensary out here in L.A., you know? And the banana OG is definitely another clone only cut that's just readily available. But unfortunately, if you don't live in LA, 
or in San Francisco or something, you go online and I, I just was like shocked about how much people are, and I'm not hating anybody, whatever they're doing. Like you do what you're doing, you know, like that's your own business. Or what, um, but there's definitely a, a little bit of a markup for sure when I'm seeing uh, clones that I can get around the corner um, and the clones that like people are buying on like Instagram. There is a difference. I honestly think that's a lot how things get watered down. Sick cuts being passed on. Uh, maybe cuts that aren't even that that strange or just shitty phenols being passed on as top dollar phenols. Uh, I always I'm not a fan of the clones myself. I, if I can stray away from it, I'd rather do my phenol on. I like to find that uh, that special one as we were talking. And, uh, especially being a tester, that is always one of the beauties I love about popping people's seeds there is because you've always got that chance to find that gem that nobody's got there and might just be that next cut only. You know what I mean? I like that end of it. So keep, keep yeah, and for me, the, seeds, brother. <laughs> yeah, and for me, like the whole idea about introducing clones into your um, reading library is for the genetics. You know what I mean? Because there's definitely, like, for example, like, there's a few cuts that I definitely, I picked up that are already in the lineage of the strains that I already have. Um, for example, I got the GG4 cut just recently. Yeah, and I grew it. I haven't plowed it out yet, but I, I grew it. But it's it's one of the clones that are already in, like, one of the clones cuts, uh, breeding projects that I did. You know, like, somebody else used that clone, right? So what you would do in breeding, a lot of people would then do a back cross. So you'd actually back cross it. So you were like almost like back cross it to the grandparent. Um, and then that brings out other different traits and different like um, phenotypes that people, you know, like say you want more glue, you're most likely to get more glue in that back cross, for example, you know? Um, so there's definitely good things and, and other things that, with clones. But I think for, for breeders, um, you, think about clones, you think about something exclusive, something that was like, like a seed, obviously, that was just like we were giving out, only the clone was giving out. So people want to use the genetics of that clone. And that's completely like part of the game, I guess. Um, so I've done it a couple times. I did it with, um, I used a clone only for the Rosie Punch, obviously, for the Purple Punch. I used a, a clone only for the OG, which is the Banana OG. Um, I used a, um, a clone only for, um, uh, the, for uh, the, the wedding cake clone only for the pine cakes so ultimately for me at least when i use my and that's just like just the ones from clone obviously i do want ones from seed as well like hunting for mothers from seed just introducing all those different genetics into the um the library now you know what i mean so it's almost like you're not remaking the wedding cake but you're just making a hybridized version of it so you're not definitely you're not reinventing the wheel you just have like using that as an ingredient almost to paint another picture down the line so like oh i like you like the wedding cake? Oh, they had that one terp. You know, oh, I have I have some of those genetics. You know, we do like a hunted seed hunt. We probably could find a, a clone or a cultivar that matches something that we like from that. So you're just almost putting it into your library of genetics. And then you can try to do the math and figure out how many different females you would need to, you know, try to like break down um, the traits. You know what I mean? Um, but ultimately, I mean, for me, at least, I use 
the clones and the other, just in and seed for that matter, just to add more um, genetics into the library so I can actually continue creating and then get to the point uh, where breeders can start just crossing their own creations together and then they, they make more creations from there on. So does working with uh, a clone only, like speed up testing, is that one plus of uh, working with that type of clone? Because you know it's Absolutely. more stable. No way. Nope, not at all. I think yeah, nothing changes in terms of us at least. Like it doesn't speed it up. I think the only thing that would speed up testing is your own gear. You know, for example, like I know for sure that the Rosie Kush has great traits that can be passed on at, from the male side. You know what I mean? So I I know if I ever use him again to cross with, it will, will be good. Whereas sometimes where you have like a new male, say you have like a new, like I want to use Black Rosie, a male. I would, before I use Black Rosie as a male, I would probably make sure that I ran all the males together. You know what I mean? And that would be my way of testing to see if which male is the kind of male that I want to use. You know what I mean? So, but once I select that male, I know that I, I can just keep that same male around and I can just use them for other projects, you know? And that's pretty, which, pretty much what, you know, I've done with the Rosy Kush, you know? I use that same male for like good, good like four or five different other strains, just because I already knew what it could do. So if you could help me out here, brother, I do have a few males here that uh, we had a, a gentleman that we met in the community this past year, DOA Grown Meds, who was a fellow weed nerd. And shout out to all the weed nerds there. But he uh, he passed suddenly this last year, so we decided uh, we wanted to put together uh, a strain and pass out, you know, free in the community as like a memorial for him. So I've got a couple of males here, both have really nice structure. So on top of that, what are some of the things I should be taking note of to uh, separate the two? Um, well, for me personally, I know there's a lot of different breeders, a lot of different uh, people who make seed, do different things, but I think one of the biggest things for me is like the smell, you know? Like I really want like a pungent smell male. Um, I think that, you know, it's a quality trait that you want to pass on. It's just like loud cannabis, right? So I think that is a solid trait that you would want to look for for a male. And that and frost, you know, just like you would as a, on a female plant, you know. And then obviously, like you said, structure. And probably the most important, if not the second most important after like the aroma or the um, smell of the male is probably just the vigor. You know what I mean? I think from my perspective, it seems like that's like the biggest part of what the male will pass on is the uh, is the vigor and the strength and, you know, the quality of the stock and, you know, things of that nature, in my opinion. So those are basically what I would look for is the vigor, the smell, frost, and structure. Do you allow uh, out as part of the process of, of elimination there too? Say, say that again. 
you eat flour out the nails as part of uh, the elimination process. You actually take them to flour before you chop any, any of them down. Uh, like say, uh, you know, number one looks really good. It's loud. It's got that structure and, you know, it's a lot of the pluses, but you, you know, number four in the flip is like a phenomenal, you know what I mean? So does that, you know, could, could that knock out, you know, 10 or nine and you'll go with four? Uh, is that, do you, so do you actually take them to flower and is that the end decision? Yes, I, I, I would probably say 90% of the time I take them to flower. Majority of the time, I take them to flower at least once, just to see. So when you, you know, because majority of the time when you when you do any of these kind of projects, you have clones. You, have, you usually have some extra clones. So either if I don't just test the males um, by themselves, uh, I would probably do just do like when they're already just say you take clones of like your garden and then you flip everything else and you have clones of them. You would then just like flower them out. So sometimes, if I had like a you know a tent next door, I would just like okay, all right. So this ones are these are male. So I'm just gonna take them out and I'm gonna just continue flowering them so I could just see them. And then I'll just take notes about which one that I liked. And then if they, for example, then the most for me at least, as soon as like they flower out and they get all hempy and they're tall and, and thin and then like they're not looking, you, they're just easy that you're just gonna eliminate that. So when you go through the culling process, it's just, it, it becomes real easy to get whittled down in your male selection. Um, a lot easier than females, in my opinion. You know, like they would just be standouts, you know, almost like a bull, you know, they just will just stand out. Um, where I think with females, like flowers, there's so many awesome different phenotypes. And when it comes down to it, it's always more about like a personal preference. But when it comes to the males, just in my opinion, I think it's more like just kind of like a logic situation. Like, okay, well, this one's just beefier. Like it, over, it like looks so much different than every other male around. You know what I mean? You'll know what it like, why it should be chosen. It's like a stud. So, um, so majority of the time, I would plow them out. Um, and for, you know, sometimes when it comes to like, for example, um, the times you don't is when you continue working on a project. Um, like say, for example, I am going on to the next generation of Rosie Kush, um, which I'm going on to the F4s right now. So it's been several generations. So when I go look for the next set of males, I'm not going to flower out the males all the way through. Like I already know what I'm looking for. Um, and I'm already going to see a lot of uniformity. And I'm pretty confident that, and they're pretty stable, that whatever male that I do choose will be solid. You know what I mean? Unless it was like a run. But I don't think I would choose that. You know, you use common sense and you were like, okay, you have 16 males. And then you just like would know which one would be the one you would choose, you know? Um, so it could go either way. Sometimes you flower them all the way out, and sometimes you just use logic, and you know you use um, yeah. I mean, you just sometimes you have to just roll the dice, I guess. But most of the time, you would just flower them out, especially if they're like new hybrids. But if they're like something that you've been working on for a while that's been stable, and you just kind of like just try to like cube it, you know, and like then back cross it or something, then you wouldn't have to run the males that way. You would know early on in the development of, okay, this male is standing out, I'm going to use this one to breed, and then just go boom, right, to breeding. Uh, 
I got to give you, again, some props, man. Shout out to you and the breeders. They do what you do. Help keep us, you know, provided with seeds, new strains, and providing us with fucking a lot of your valuable garden space, man. Uh, there's a lot of time that goes into strains, man. A lot of, you know, power, time, nutrients, all that good shit before you even think about making a buck off of that shit. And again, taking a valuable space in a grow that could be flower, just as valuable, you know what I mean? But you don't. You, you, you choose to better the community. So shout out to you, my friend. I greatly appreciate that shit. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of money. I mean, I mean, I mean, you really got to be in it because you are you want to do it. You know what I mean? If you're looking for like a livable wage, but it's not. I mean, to, to say that you're gonna like you know, it's just, it's not as lucrative as a lot of other things in this industry, in this, in, in our community, you know what I mean? Um, so, but I think it's just more about just producing something quality. It's almost like art to me, you know what I mean? And it can always go up in value as time goes on, you know what I mean? So I just hope people appreciate what we're doing. And there's a lot of breeders just like me um, who are just, you know, who really are trying to like, not necessarily not like create something new, it's just more about just hybridizing something and, and like developing like a, like a story or a profile, you know, and bring it to the market. So, shout out to Med, you know, shout out to Titan, shout out to Loki, you know, what I mean, Mr. Tight. I mean, a lot of new, new ones on the scene now, too, you know, Lorax and Justin Grow Time. I mean, have you tried to breed yet? I know you have like eight tents. Think you muted. I sure was. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I've tried to uh, breed four or five strains. Nothing to try to, you know put out to anybody just you know stuff for myself but in breeding has never really been a huge uh, on the priority list maybe it someday maybe this project here was uh it was more i kind of had talked about it uh initially just uh for something for the community you know what i mean something that we could all uh, take part in and have our hand in and, you know, just keep something for free. You know what I mean? Just let everybody you know, get in on it. But then the DOA passed and they became something a little bit more special. But it, the dream, the dream's still there, not the, none the same <clears throat> to just kind of fool around with this, pass out some seeds, maybe find some winners out of that, and maybe, you know, take it to the next round. Uh, be pretty cool. Be pretty cool, I think. Learn and, uh, you know, with everybody else, you know, live on air. What better way, right? Hell yeah, man. I think anytime there's an opportunity to give out free cannabis seed, it's a great time to do it. I actually been thinking about doing that again, too, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, there's definitely some projects um, that I understand people who are working on and they're putting a lot of time and effort into it but there's also some other projects i think that i think a lot of people would just appreciate if you just you know 
So I'm looking forward to just, you know, giving out seeds again. You know what I mean? And actually, like my 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 um, my testing team, you know, just give give away seeds and stuff. So, you know what I mean? Just seeds that I personally wouldn't want on the market right now, but I'm sure that somebody else could just grow if they just don't have access to quality genetics. You know? You got an amazing uh, tester team. Shout out to those guys as well, man. You know, it's always an honor to be a tester. And then be thrown into one of those groups with a bunch of other quality to growers, you know, pick your pick their minds, you know, show each other and learn from each other behind the scenes. It's always uh, a nice thing. And I'm glad you you put that shit together, help with that together. You got an amazing team uh, working with you there. So shout out to you and your testers there, brother. Yeah, man. You were on that team for a little while when you were testing. Yeah, man. I mean, some people left, some people stay, but I totally understand how it goes and where, you know, it's not, it was never, it was never about like, you know, if you, if you wanted to test, then test, we could do that. You know what I mean? And like, there's not that many spots either, you know, so it's not like I just have like all these things. So it's totally cool that you came on. You did a great job with the Pine Valleys. I mean, I really give it up to you and a couple other people in the in the Pine Valleys. Dr. Buswell is leading the team right now. So at the end of the time, at the end of the day, I mean, for me at least, and some people who are trying to get into this industry with cannabis seeds, obviously may or may not be doing it, but most people are doing it this way. You know, the the, the method that you know is pretty much popularized with the whole idea of testing your 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 seed. You know, I mean that's an important part when it comes to um, hybridized seed making just because you just don't know like I have so many examples I mean just a quick example is the Astrotropic it's a project that I'm working on right now I'm actually going on to the second round of testing which is the first time ever in any of the hybrids that I've created just because of the GGG the GG4 um, lineage um, is tended to be tendency to be um, you know, hermaphrodite. So my hybrid was just shown. You know, Med actually was part of the testing team. It was so cool that he did that. But they all, like everybody, including myself, you know, was just like well above 50, maybe 60 percent, just like hermaphrodites. You know, and it was just a situation where it was just like dead on arrival. But it was by far, in my opinion, out of all the hybrids I created, the most potent one. It was so potent. It was, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was great. So I'm I'm looking forward to the the next round of of testing. It's Tropic Lightning crossed to the Astro Chimp. Tropic Lightning is a uh, cross by Vader. It was the the candy vomit pheno from like 2017. It was going around in Southern California. His kind of super pungent. It, it smells like it's like nasty smell on the on the vine. But when you cure it, when you when you cure it up, you know, cut it down, it's just like so sweet. It's like such a such a sweet cannabis, and then for the father it was that Astro Trip uh, Chimp, which is uh, a cross by Shrimp, and that ha and that's where it had the GG4 in it, and that GG4, in my opinion, was the, the culprit of why the, the that trait went on to my hybrid. Um, so at the end of the day, it's one of those situations. It's been like three years I've been working on this, but I know I really want to. I put a lot into it. I really think it would work out. So I'm actually testing that next generation, like literally right about now. Um, to see if we breed it out that trait because I think it's a really nice hybrid. It's a great nighttime strain. I have some hot daytime strains and sweet ones. This one is definitely more of that, like, you know, sweet gas type, you know, 
uh, profile. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I, and people just do different things the way they breed, you know. That's what it really comes down to, and you know, and um, yeah, it's it's um uh, it's one of those situations where for me at least that I just didn't want to because um, I definitely canned a few strains over the years. I just didn't want to let this one go just because I. I, I grew it out, and it was fire, you know what I mean? It's just, unfortunately, like, the majority of the cultivars shown hermaphrodites, and there was no way that I was going to put that on the market, you know what I mean? Even if it's only small, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not pushing packs like that, but I'm pushing enough, but, you know, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do that personally, you know? Put um, seed that I know for a fact tested to be hermaphrodites. I'd rather do the work and breed it out, you know? Here's some of those that don't make the test just for that reason. Uh, show slight Hermes signs, but in like I've had one uh, black, it was a black lime reserve cross times Amazing string, super loud. And I had full plans of keeping because I, I really like the black lime side of things. But uh, in flower, mid flower, she wanted to throw that banana. And so. Yeah. It did. It didn't pass the testing phase of things, and even though it didn't pass the, the testing, I, I grew it out a few more runs. And what I found was great strain. All you had to do was pull back on nutrients midway through flower, and she'd fin up, finish up fine. But if you continued to push her until you know late six or something like that, then she threw that, that banana. So sometimes bad, right. good strains get stepped aside for, you know, you know, silly reasons to where, you know, it could be one of them things that it still gets sold with the note of, you know, hold back your nukes, <laughs> late in flower, and you'll avoid problems like that. But some strains, again, are right. worth the risk. There's, I've ran some that's that are not, worth that fucking risk. But that sounds like a problem that you could probably solve when you did the work. I mean, if you're saying that the strain is so fire, but when you push it too hard, mid flower, it starts to, um, you know, show nanners, hermaphrodites, and that's the situation. If you just thought about maybe like going, so you take that female and then you find a new male, and you know you look for a, a male that you would want to pass some kind of traits on to, so that way maybe you could figure out a way to, you know, curb that, you know. And then you would just have to, and that's where the hunting comes in. And that's like the biggest part for me in breeding is the hunting is like just finding phenotypes. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, obviously once in a while you have your clone only um, hybrids, which are fun, right? They're fun. And, and, you know, like for example, for me, like none of them, like none of the hybrids that I did that made it like have even like came close to gone through testing. The more situation where it's just something I'm working on and I have the lineage in the you know and you know the genetics right so like the rossi punch is on deck right now still you know what i mean the banana og um it's it's i think it's it made it through testing uh i'm actually haven't said anything about it but i'm hoping that I'm most likely we'll see the mark sooner than later just a small amount that i do have of the banana uh the rossi og which is that banana cross which is definitely interesting interesting cultivar um um but yeah As far as testing goes, because uh, I, I really believe that's an important part of the program. Uh, and so this is a two-part question. So 
how do you, what are you looking for in your testers? And in a perfect world, no rush, you know what I mean, man, all the time in the world. How long would you like to see, you know, things get tested before they actually went out? Um, 10 testers would be like ideal for me, you know, uh, if I could, I mean, which is, which is shooting high, you know what I mean? If I could have 10 people like flower it out at the same time, like right after, you know, that would be like to and have it and have like some kind of, not necessarily like raw data, like, you know, inputting into like some kind of like spreadsheet or, or like uh you know, a Google Doc or something. Um, just photos, maybe Instagram, not even Instagram, maybe just like an email with a photo and a couple words or two about what's going on. Any issues like, you know, pests or just what their environmental, just like more of like just like a documentation. That would be cool. Like 10 people, like that would be like, you're killing it right there. Um, but if you could literally just test it on your own as a breeder, if you could test it on your own and document it, you're good to go. Um, but for somebody like me, I would definitely like seven to 10 people, maybe five to 10 people would be so cool, um, you know, to document like publicly would be really cool too. So other people can see um, that would be, that'd be really cool. You know what I mean? And, I, and for, for me, I think a lot of testers are just looking, a lot of breeders are, and people who make seed just are looking for people who will follow through and just in and just pop the seeds and 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 try to to the best ability to flower it out to completion. Nice, nice. Uh, that's uh, I like to ask that question because I think. Uh, Quality tests is the key in my in my opinion. Both to make sure they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and two that they have the trust between a tester and breeder that they're not gonna run out and do anything pre-release um, with the strain, either rebreed with it or release clones or shit, silly shit like that that I've seen get done many many times. So that's why I ask. Uh, what you look for in your testers is it like do you look down their page or uh oh, i mean i definitely forth with them i definitely talk to them and vet them out and you know and i definitely wouldn't want um have anybody who's on the team other than just people who wanted to test the the, 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 um, the strain out you know what i mean so if there's a situation where a tester wanted to like become a, his own breeder, I definitely could work with him somehow and like give him like a step in the right direction, of course. But yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be entertaining anybody. I mean, people could do whatever they want. They want to buy any kind of pack of seed and then go breed with it. Do you? That was yours and stuff. But in terms of like testing, I mean, you know, it would just be weird. Why would you do that? You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just the people that I, I mean, the people that I app testing has definitely been you know vetted and there's definitely new avenues at least in the ocean grown front that you can actually become a tester you know if you go to like i think it's um ocean if you go to ocean grown seeds instagram page and you go hit the discord link and you go join that discord discord server there's a lane for you to become a tester um 
and you can get free seed and you could test it out and you can post it in a public forum on the server opposed to Instagram or YouTube and you know you can just you can put in the work and you can get you know you can become a tester for sure and that's the quickest way to become a tester for me too so you know you if you joined that server and you wanted to test out any of some of these new hybrids that would be the quickest way to become a tester for ocean grown seeds so go to ocean grown seeds instagram page click on the discord server uh link and then there's some information there where you where the process of becoming a, a tester and there's a lot of great companies out there who do pretty much similar things when it comes to like testing them out and i think most breeders they, they just want you just i mean because the simple fact is you're giving out free seed and which is whatever but it's not like they're giving you're not like you know you don't like know them like that i mean obviously you, if you have like a guy that you know oh yeah here's some free seed but it's not that big of a deal but in terms of just giving out free seeds to a lot of people you want to make sure like that there was some kind of understanding about the the ultimate goal which is to run the seed and um flower it out and have some kind of you know feedback uh, and all the data is welcome you know and um, for me I've been you know as you know Eagle you've been a tester for me at, at least for Pine Valleys I wasn't sure if you were with me for the um, for the Rosy but I think it was yeah I think it was just Pine Valleys but anyways yes sir just yeah yeah i mean so i mean it's really all about the data you know what i mean i mean how much data that you can give them would be awesome at the end of the day because you just don't want to have hermaphrodites i think the biggest issue is hermaphrodites and if you're having a, a bunch of your testers come back to you and say like all oh, these this whole crop is like hermaphrodites then you know that something and you know you got to go back to the drawing board um and, you, and most breeders know go using a lot of different strains over you know there's a lot of these legacy cuts that you use and there's form cut you know gorilla glue you know you know these are you know there's hermaphrodite in the lineage so there's always that chance that whether it's environmental stress or just you know sheer dumb luck or whatever that you that trait got passed on who knows how it happens, you know, but it, it, it did get passed on, whether it skips a generation, I don't know, that's a theory. Um, so, which is one of the theories I have. Um, I'm not even sure where I read it, but I did read it at that point that, and maybe not even in cannabis genetics, but just in genetics in, in general, that some traits skip a generation. So I was, I'm hoping, I don't even want to say hope, I'm planning for the way that I bred this project, the what I call astrotropic, which is the cross between tropic lightning and astro chimp. Call it tropic lightning, all one word, capital T. Um, I mean, excuse me, I call it astrotropic, all one word, capital A. Um, that I bred that I bred out the uh, that that trait. Um, I'm very looking forward to that project too. Like I, like I said earlier, it's definitely a heavy hitter, and for people like me who like that, you know, I mean, obviously I like daytime smoke, but for the uh, nighttime smoke, this is definitely for me in my small catalog. That would be the one that I'd be like, oh yeah, for sure, this one. You know what I mean? And for for daytime, I would 
definitely say Pine Valleys, and for like afternoon, it'd be the Rosy or whatever. Um, the Black Rosy is one of those anytime strains. So there's a variety, but the uh, but this new strain that I'm that I've been working on, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm seeing where it goes for sure. What did, what is available currently? The uh, I did I did a small drop of the Black Rossi just recently, back in 420. It actually did sell up pretty quickly, and I am doing a small restock of that um, as soon as possible. Um, so she, she should definitely stay in the lookout for the um, uh, the Black Rossi. That will be on Ocean Grown Seeds and Lumberjack Seeds or uh, LumberjackSeedSource.com. Um, so Black Rossi. And then for this fall, I will be releasing the uh, the Rossi OG, and that's the um, Banana OG cross for the Rossi Kush. After some serious testing with that one and some killer flavors, very interesting profiles. Uh, that should be interesting um, hybrid as well. Um, and then I'm working on a couple other things. I'm just you know I'm gonna put more work into. For example, that Rossi Punch. I'm gonna keep putting more work into that one. Uh, like I was just talking about the Astro. Tropic. I'm putting some work into that, and then I just have some new. Um, just been hunting from from for for new seed, you know. So, do you let the strain tell you kind of when to stop? You know what I mean. F two, yeah, she's beautiful all the way around. I got what I want. I don't. I'm not gonna take it to the F three. Work it down a bit further, or do you have a set plan that you know? I am working it all the way down to F3. I want it all clone-like, no more fetal hunt. Is that a bit? Yeah. Um, for me, I, it's, it's a plan, usually. Um, for example, I haven't even moved down the line that much. Like I'm such in the infancy of my breeding when it comes down to it. We started like five years ago, but five years may seem like a long time but unless you're using like a warehouse that you can like have like thousands of plants growing it's going to take you a while to get through things you know um so for me you know like rosy um the rosy kush i i i think that i was just like you know i'm going to cube it go to the f4 uh and that would be now and i'll just keep it at that you know what i mean and then maybe just do something different and like do like you know, dig into the previous generations and do some kind of back cross. But as of right now, I thought that I'll just keep it there and either maybe even keep it where it's, where it's at, which is the F3, you know. Um, so and most of the other ones that I'm thinking is just like the F2 BX. I think that's just like a quality, good number to be at. Um, so you would take it to the F2 and then you would just back cross it to the F1. And that would just be, I think that's just a quality... Um, like line of stock that you could get, because that way it gives you some kind of a nice variety, but also brings it back to like what your original goal was, which is that um, F1 mother. Um, so, you know, that's what I would say. But I mean, it really all depends. If you want to do the whole like IBL inbred line, and you want to go down to the F5s, like I'm doing with the Rosie Kush. Um, it's really all about what you want to do. You know, how do you want to paint this picture? You know what I mean? Like, sky's the limit. If you want to be a breeder who wants to just keep the F1s and stuff, like, do it. You know, why not? There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to take it and do, like, F2s, do it. You know, so it's pretty much what your heart desires. You know what I mean? Like, 
there's really no book on how to do it. But obviously, there are some traditional ways of reading that you you read, like you know, Shore and others over like, you know, they would probably say, I mean, I guess F5 would probably be like, okay, boom, you put a lot of work into this hybrid, so you know what I mean. So I have to ask this question. I ask it of everybody else. Uh, was there a point in uh, your Canvas journey where you kind of seen, you know, things change from yeah, yeah, smoke in this to uh, uh, wow, this thing really does have a lot of weight to it, you know, as far as medical and stuff like that. Uh, did you ever have you had that revelation yet, or no? Yes, I have. Actually, Eagle, I think, I don't know if I even told you about it, but I, I totally skipped that part of my cannabis journey. I just was thought about it. Um, but basically, um, you know, I mean, so the reason why I even got into cannabis, like just growing cannabis was so after I, I moved out to California, I grew, I grew, I grew, I grew cannabis for the first time, and then I moved back to the East Coast, right? I moved back to the East Coast after my first child was born. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back to the East Coast. I'm gonna have family and friends. It'll be like, like a whole like, oh, the raise a village or this and that, and have like all these different people that you grew up with and you know out there to help you. You know, I was a young father or like, you know, mid twenties. Long story short. I got diagnosed. I had like issues with um, when I was 16. I got uh, diagnosed with this like eye disorder called optic neuritis, and then it, I always was told, was told I had issues. Like, and I that's when I first got glasses. Like, you know, like I thought it, like something happened. Funny story is, and when I when I got diagnosed with this with with this this eye disease when I was 16 years old, I was like smoking a joint like in the driveway. And I swear to God, I thought it was a piece of ash would go into my eye. And I was like, fuck. And like a day later, my eye was just like killing me. I was like, what the fuck? So I was just like, I thought it was just because of that. So either way, a long story short, I went to the doctor. And then I was referred to like an eye doctor. And then I got diagnosed with this eye disease. And I thought it was like, it was just weird coincidences, which I don't even believe in those anymore. Um, but at the time, that's what I thought it was. I was like, what the fuck? That's just so strange. I, I was smoking a joint, and I thought I got a, like a piece of ash in my eye, and it fucking hurt this like hell, right? And that's what I thought it was, and it turned out that it wasn't even that. It was nothing to do with that. There's no ash issue. Um, so that disease, I was told, like, oh, there's a chance that this may turn into multiple sclerosis. And as of right now, 20 years later, like that, like that disease is almost obsolete. Like if you get diagnosed with optic neuritis, you're already diagnosed with MS. It's almost like a sub part of MS. So long story short, I was diagnosed with MS and I went through all the rigors and it was bullshit. And I had like this traumatic experience when I got diagnosed because I like lost vision in the eye. It was like this horrible story. I think I told about it. I talked the whole story on YouTube a while back. Um, and that's what really got me into being like a serious grower. And that was probably, what was that, 2009, I think. So in 2009, which was four years later, so it was already like a like a cabinet grower. I moved back to the East Coast. I was a cabinet grower. I was always into growing ever since I was, you know, first time I started out here in California. Um, 
and then I went back to the east and I started growing. So I, I remember growing and just before the tent era, there was like oh, this cabinets. People had cabinets. We used like I used dressers and I used closets or wh whatever you could use to uh, to grow. Um, most of the time, you would just build some kind of like makeshift chamber or you know custom cabinet. Um, but after my diagnosis with MS, I mean, that was the real deal. And that was the situation where I knew for a fact that that instant pain relief was something that was in my future. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to do the narcotics. That wasn't my thing. I was definitely more of that, you know, stoner type, you know what I mean, who was more into, you know, cannabis than I was into just like drinking and like like pills and shit like that like or pharmaceuticals or whatever so um, that's what really spurred me to, to be like a like a grower grower was for that reason and it was you know just just having like clean medicine you know what I mean going through all that you just was like okay now it's time to like switch up you know this is pre um, you know this is early you know well, late 2000s but it was just like before there was like it was actually three or four years before there was even medical in the state of Massachusetts at the time so there wasn't even medical um, even the medical was still like unless you're growing it yourself to really know how they're growing it and what they're using it so ultimately that was what I why I got so serious into growing and breeding was for the for the medicinal purposes you know You know, uh, the other, the reason I asked that is because for most people that I, you know, unless there's an injury that occurs along the way and they see the medical benefit through, uh, you know, the actual taking of the medicine, uh, I find that shift is, even though, even sometimes, even like myself, uh, I've seen the weight, but uh, when it came to growing the cannabis, that's when things really clicked, you know what I mean? Uh, it changed everything how I felt about the plant. Then that was the point that I would realize there was something more to the plant than just getting it uh, I, I believe in that. With that being said, I believe the plant's still cultivating me, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So yeah, I think what kind of music do you play? I'm curious to, to ask you that if you don't mind. What kind of music do I listen to or what kind of music do I play? You play, yeah. You mentioned playing. I'm interested in that. Yeah, I was... Um, so, yeah, one of my first loves was definitely trying to like be a rock star, so to speak. Not necessarily rock music, but just that life. You know what I mean? So I'll, I've been into music for forever and it was the my genre of music was hip-hop so i was i am uh, a beat maker it's funny now that i call myself a seed maker which is the reason why i even call myself a seed maker i got i know like people want to use breeder people want to use hybridizer or i think people other terms but for me at least my career of making seed i i like the term of seed maker and the reason why i call myself a seed maker is directly because of my music background in music which was um, beat making um, so that's what I that's what I was so I make hip-hop beats old school um, hunt for samples in an old school record shop I have a little uh, record collection like actually depleted collection I think I gave away a few vinyl uh, 
But um, yeah, so I use vinyl and uh, we uh, we chop up samples and we just I find like a sample and then I loop it and then I add I have synthesizers and I use drum machines and so yeah it's all hardware. I know a lot of people who make music now electronic music they use just like computers and stuff and I do use computers to record but I I'm I'm definitely like an outboard type of musician so we. Uh, I use. I keep on saying we, like I'm talking to the third person. I it's just me. I uh, I use a. Uh, yeah, I use a synthesizer and I have a couple of beat machines and and a sampler. And what I do is I chop up the sample using uh, the, the the keyboard and then I I, I I use a sampler almost like an instrument and you know we I make beats that way. So my type of music that I make is uh, is uh, you know just beats in general. Like I make a lot of uh, melodic beats, but the genre I would probably just say would be. Hip hop, trip hop, you know, you know, instrumental music. That's awesome. Still, still working today. Still working on it from time to time today. I, I wish I was. I'm actually that's the part I'm working on. I'm working on this little uh, space that I'm in right now. It's a, it's a little like um, probably like ten by eight, maybe twelve by eight room that I'm working on, which is going to be a lung room to my shop. Uh, if you could imagine, I have a, like a nine by ten flower room next to a eight by eight bedroom, and then um, in the third room is this office, which is, which is going to now be a studio, which will have all my musical equipment as well as other streaming capabilities. So that way, that's what I was telling you. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this all set up. I have my little lights and everything, you know, be nice and fresh. Um, so that way, the background will look cool, not just like me smoking in the garage, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is gonna, so I'm gonna have it all set up, but yeah, a lot of the beats that I've used, um, are several years old actually. So a lot of the beats, all my content is I use my own beats and, um, yeah, they're just old beats from like, you know, late 2000s, some of the early 2010s. So yeah, it's been several years, probably about like at least probably from like right before I got on the team. So it was probably around like 2014 is when I probably pretty much slowed it down making beats. I really focused on uh, growing as well as having a regular day job at the time, you know, so that's where, yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I still have all the equipment and I still have ideas and I still have foundations of songs that I'm making. So I have a, uh, one of my series on YouTube, it's called um, Buds and Beats. And it's pretty much like a uh, what Vader would call um, like the, the bud porn, which is just pretty much, um, you know, you just, sixth seventh eighth week of flower you go through your room and you you know take shots of your the all the tops with some music to it so i called the show like buds and beats so I, all, those are all my beats with the uh, my flower room shots so there's actually one season up there right now if you check it out at gmxtv.com um but yeah man that's what i i mean yeah i really do like 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 making music and like using the music with the content, you know, and I'm looking forward to making new music too. So I'll, I'll be doing new music, probably doing that shit live too. If I, if it's all, when it's all said and done, which would be cool to share, like some of the other things that I do besides just grow cannabis. I hope you do do it in a live kind of thing. In my opinion, uh, It'll always be there in the replay as you would, you know, uh, uploading it. But you might as well have some fun with it on the 
day of the release, you know, talk to some folks and get to know the community or, you know, have some interaction with them at least. A lot of fun and, you know, why not? Why not? That's why I say it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, wa- I want to say, you know, about the smoking in the grass thing, because that's my thing. <laughs> that's my yeah. thing, man. I, I do with it. But, uh, you know, I've actually tried to uh, to dry, dress things up, you know what I mean, with the background and shit like that. And uh, live and learn. From what I've learned from that, it's, uh, for one, they won't let me. Well, they, there's no choice for that. I, I, I'll you know, have to say, right? But uh, when I don't have the background on, or when I do have a background, everybody's like, hey, where's the plants? <laughs> we like seeing yeah. the plants instead and then uh what i've noticed too is like uh interview inter- interview uh this one's a little bit different because we're both not on camera here anymore. but i found uh when i'm interviewing somebody it uh seems to be more relaxed without the background it's more like person to person like show show you know what i mean uh, that's what i so that's why that's why I do the smoking in the grass thing. I, I think it's more uh, like an intimate conversation myself. But just definitely, me. man. Just me. So, are you guys going to be at any of the shows this year, or is it uh, on not this, this year? Thing? Not this, this year. year. Not this year. Um, I'm, um, I'm not sure about this summer. Maybe some talk, but not that I know for this year. I think a lot of the focus right now is just, um, you know, a lot of events are going on, digital and virtual events that are going on through Discord. So if they do go to Ocean Grown Seeds Instagram and then you click on the Discord link, you can find out some more information about what Ocean Grown is and everybody's doing. Um, but no events that I know of right now. Um, I know things are fast moving with the pandemic and everything that's going on um but as of right now i know people are doing a lot of things but not that i know of there's there there are not any events i know there's some new releases coming out uh, including the uh, i'm restocking the black rosy um but i'm not sure if there's any um not that i know of i'm almost positive that they're not but from not there's no no events that i know of this year or at least not in-person events i think there are a couple of new virtual events that are happening um but nothing in person quite yet i am looking forward to going back to oklahoma that was one of the coolest events out of all the little event season um i actually never been to the michigan event so i can't say anything about michigan but i know from you know a few from the denver and from california and oklahoma those were it was definitely a cool little, uh, interesting little city. They called it like Smoklahoma. So that was an interesting, um, like a very young cannabis scene in the ter- in the sense of like their um, legislation. Uh, but it was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I was hoping to do um, Michigan, but I'll probably do it next year, hopefully. That'd be awesome. We've got an awesome community here as far as events go, man. We've, we've got some going here. Fuck, I think there's one every weekend this month and possibly every weekend next month as well. So, yeah, get your ass to Michigan, man. 
Yeah, man. Tell me about it. I mean, there's just events going on everywhere. And even back in the East Coast, there's all the ones up and down East Coast from Rhode Island all the way up to Maine. So there's definitely things going on. But for Ocean Grown, as of right now, I know that it's more of the focus right now is on the Discord server and everything that's going on there in terms of the content and the, um, you know, just different little contests that we're doing in terms of um, growing and, you know, different projects that the other team guys on the team are working on. And for me, I am just solid working on finally building this shop completely out and then starting to um, push out more content, different content that I've been doing, moving away from the um, just the basic infotainment, um, just like the, the vlog series to move into other parts of what I'm doing, like, like I said, you know, doing with music and other, um, you know, content development. So I'm looking forward to uh, other things that I'm going to be doing this year, for sure, besides just um, showing off growing and stuff and I'm working looking forward to doing some new breeding projects as well and bringing back some some strains like Pine Valleys and uh, Rosy Kush so uh, I'd like to tell you that uh, it has been a pleasure to have you on tonight if you do happen to find some time in the future, my friend, and and sit studio set up and like to come hang out, uh, do you know about the wormhole? Do you know what the wormhole is? I think I watched it. I know what your buddy's on there. And, oh, it's ten ten. That's a lucky number right there. It's ten ten right now in the in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I I heard about the wormhole. I think I saw it a couple of times. You guys were talking and stuff. What time does the wormhole start starts? Well, it, it's basically filler. Mondays is uh, for sure a, a wormhole. Any other night, it's whenever this aspect of the show kind of goes uh, to the end. I usually reload up with the wormhole. But that is open to all past guests uh, like yourself. Please keep that uh, Zoom invitation that I sent you because that is the, the link that I use for the wormholes. And you're more than welcome to uh, jump in at any time, hang out, talk, reading, cannabis, whatever. Sometimes it's some some nights it's not even cannabis at all. We're talking conspiracy or whatever. It's kind of hard to talk cannabis five hours a night every day. You know, sometimes yeah, we I can imagine. I actually. Well, I'll I'll definitely come back if you want to just go. We'll go on when I get the studio set up. I'll make I'll make some rounds. I'll definitely stop through if you want. I'll come back on the show and I'll show you off my little um, office space when it's all said and done. So that way, we can be on camera. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome, my friend. You don't have to wait till then. I mean, you can come anytime you want. You got the invitation now, so feel free to use it whenever you see. I mean, even if you were just to uh, pop in and announce you know, a release or anything to that effect, you can use it for that as well, man. It all relates to the community, so if they can find gear and keep their gardens growing, I'm, I'm well open to it, my friend. Oh, appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Well, cool, man. I'm going to definitely come back on, but um, 
Yeah, before I get out of here, I just want to quickly say, I mean, I want to shout out to the GMX testing team. They've been holding me down since day one, and I and couldn't do any of this stuff that I'm trying to do without them, so I do appreciate them. And I also want to shout out Vader and Ocean Grown Seeds. And peace, man. I'll be back on. So I'm going to stay up with you. I have the link. It's in my email, so I'll definitely come back on, and we could chop it up some more. But it was great talking to you, Eagle. One last thing before you go, my friend, and that is the sound bite. I try to get that from everybody that comes on the show. Basically, what I'm asking for is like that radio station identification kind of thing we used to do back in the day on the radio. But uh, basically, what I'm looking for in my words is, hey, this is Eagle Gardens, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 412. Uh, you can add anything up and down to that basically it'll be a commercial for your episode so uh make them want to watch it my friend so i say uh i'm gmx og i'm talking i'm fucking talking shit with eagle wait say it again one more time uh basically hey this is eagle i'm fucking i'm talk, fucking talking shit with eagle episode 412 uh anything you want to throw on that check me out on ocean grow whatever okay, okay. whatever you want to add to it all right, cool. I'm ready when you are. All right. My name is GMX OG, and I am on fucking talking shit with Eagle Gardens 1. You can find me. Uh, did I fuck it up? Did I fuck it up? I think I fucked it up. I'll take it. You can do it, you can do it over if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's good? This is GMX OG. I am on talking fucking shit with Eagle. Check me out on Instagram at GMX OG. And again, Eagle, thanks for having me on the show, man. Appreciate you, man. Anytime. It was worth the wait, my friend. It was worth the wait. You have a great night, and uh, hopefully I will talk again soon. Yeah, man. Take care, man. Peace. Peace. Well, there you guys go. That is episode 412 in the can. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys will follow over to the wormhole. Give me a few minutes and I'll fire things up. But if not, then thank you for your time. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. Thank you for tuning in.